Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello again, friends, and welcome on in to episode 136 of The Sco Show, proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the great folks at SB Nation. My name is Mark Schofield, back in the big chair for today, Wednesday, September 23rd, 2020, another big day on The Sco Show. We're going to talk some film review looking backward and some film review looking forward. We're going to talk first, Cam Newton and the Patriots passing game. And then we're going to talk a little Kyle Duggar because a lot of people have really heaped some praise on Duggar in the wake of what he did against Seattle. And I'm going to join that praise in large part. And then we're going to look ahead to the Las Vegas Raiders. We're going to talk some Darren Waller. We're going to talk some Derek Carr. I'm really going to focus on the Raiders offense and what they're doing sort of in the passing game right now. But before we do any of that, your usual cavalcade of reminders, please do follow along with the hijinks on the Bird app at Mark Schofield on Twitter. You might see a lot of the videos and plays that I'll be referencing in today's show on Twitter. I'm doing a ton of video work this year. We're folding that into the content for USA Today's Touchdown Wire. By the time this episode drops, my first Schofield's QB camp. Interesting title. But my first Schofield's QB camp will have published by the time this episode drops. Takes a lot of those film breakdowns and puts them into a little listicle form, little handy format for you, where I look at some of the most notable quarterback performances from the past week. I'm going to be talking in that piece. Josh Allen, Mitchell Trubisky, Justin Herbert, Dak Prescott, and Ryan Tannehill. You can check that out. Also check out the workplaces like those three SB Nation websites, Big Blue View, Bleeding Green, and of course right here at Pat's Pulpit. Let's talk Cam Newton. And Twitter is a great window into the mind of the Patriots fan and the non-Patriots fan. And midway through the second quarter of that game on Sunday night, I tweeted something to the effect of Patriots passing game is starting to click a bit. You know, we had seen a couple of completions. They had a screen to Burkhead, which is right around the time I sent that tweet. And part of the reason I sent that out was because a lot of people I could tell were starting to wonder, look, is this passing game going to be okay? And it's a reasonable question, in a sense, because Julian Edelman, Damian Bird, Nikhil Harry, nothing to the tight ends really, at least the rookie tight end so far, and it's a question mark. But then when the Patriots got down on two different occasions, on two different occasions when they got down by two scores, they had to throw to get back in the game. And they were able to do that. And so I rewatched on Tuesday morning the Patriots passing game 
from the all 22 angle. I really focused on throws of 10 yards or more downfield because I do think that this passing game has more of a vertical element to it than we've seen in recent years. And I came away impressed with a lot of the stuff that was happening. The first play I want to talk about, this was a throw by Cam Newton to Damian Bird. This was a third and seven situation. And what stood out watching this throw is the fact that in years past, we have seen on so many different occasions that when you get the Patriots into a must-pass situation, when you force them to throw the ball, say a third and long, like a third and seven, what did you have to do? Put a defensive back on James White, bracket Julian Edelman, and they're not going to be able to complete anything on you. Well, this is a third and seven in the first quarter, 326 mark. Patriots at the minus 49, so they're on their own 49-yard line. And they get that bracket on Julian Edelman from the Seattle Seahawks. Why do you bracket Julian Edelman? Why are you worried about him? Because A, he's their best receiver, and B, so often what they want to do is throw that cross and route to Edelman. And so you can play a little inside out on it. Bobby Wagner shows blitz. He sugars the A-gap, but then he drops and tries to wall off Edelman. He's staring at Edelman. So you get an inside-outside bracket on him. Now, in years past, you would see that, and Brady, he might still try to get it into Edelman, or he might you know, come off of that and force a throw elsewhere. But here, Newton barely even looks at it. Once he sees, he gets the shotgun snap, he looks in the middle of the field, he sees Wagner bracketing Edelman, he sees him rotating out towards Edelman, he knows, I can't go there. So he instantly comes to the left side, where Damian Bird is going to run a stop route. He's running this against press man coverage. The defender against him, when Bird starts off the line of scrimmage, ends up with outside leverage. Why? Bird takes his first two steps to the inside, gets inside leverage against him. Now the defender's on his outside. But then Bird does a great job of switching up on him. Does a little quick, almost like a swim move from a wide receiver. Gets to the outside, and now this corner is in severe panic because he's worried about getting beat vertically so he turns and chases like i said birds running the stop route so he gets past the first down marker just stops and turns and the football is right on him because newton has read this the entire way and he lets this go before bird gets into his break it's perfect timing and anticipation and because he gets this ball out on time, in rhythm, and with it, and with anticipation, Bird turns, ball gets on him. It gives him a chance to catch, cradle, and spin upfield. So when the defensive back finally recovers, he can't make an immediate tackle, and Bird spins forward for another two yards or so. It's very impressive. And it's the importance of anticipation. Next play I want to talk about, this is a... First and 10 on the Seattle 48-yard line from the third quarter, 12-45. Scores 14-14. Patriots come out. 11 offensive personnel. Izzo with a tight end to the right. Edelman has a slot to the left. They're going to run play action. And Edelman's going to run the over route, working left to right. Good offensive football and good offensive design is sometimes about putting defenders into conflict. And that's what they do here. Seattle known to be a cover-three heavy team. They're in cover-three on this play. You get the cornerback 
over Nikhil Harry on the right side of the formation. Harry runs a whip route where he starts on a slant and breaks to the outside. Cornerback drifts down on that. How do you put him into conflict in a sense? You run the over route from Edelman over the top of him, getting behind that corner. Now, Seattle actually has something in play here that could stop this throw from Newton to Edelman. Jamal Adams, who's down in the box in a linebacker's alignment, he's going to use what's called the robot technique, where you run out, back to ball, look for crossers. Okay, it's a it's a technique. Saban uses it at Alabama. It's designed for play action plays because you're worried about that crossing route, and so you have that hook defender when he sees play action, turn, identify a crosser, and get under it and run with it. Now, people have sometimes wondered, well, can you be effective at play action when your run game isn't working? And here, Patriots' run game outside of Cam Newton wasn't working all that well on Sunday night. But they show Burkhead on a fake counter. Adams, his eyes are in the backfield until Newton comes out of the fake and hits his drop depth. Only then does Adams turn and identify a crosser. But by then, Edelman is almost on top of him and angling behind him. And by that point, Newton's already pulling the trigger. And so Edelman gets on top of Adams, even though he's going to employ a technique that should take this away. Edelman gets on him. Newton makes a great throw. Edelman with a great catch. And it's a huge play. Then we're going to spin ahead to the fourth quarter. And for those of you that were wondering, can Cam Newton move defenders with his eyes? Yes, this is a... Second and 10 at the Seattle 34 with 301 left. It's 35-23. You need a touchdown on this drive. Patriots come on at a bunch look with 11 personnel to the right. Edelman comes in motion from right to left. Nobody moves. So what are we thinking, kids? Zone coverage. They run mirrored out and ups. Both Harry on the left and Bird on the right run out and ups against a cover three look. But Edelman's going to run basically a deep post. If Newton wants to throw that post route, he has to move the safety in the middle of the field. Also, Adams is going to trail Edelman on this. They're, mat- they're man-matching him here. Newton gets the snap, opens his eyes right to the right side of the field, looking at Damian Bird. He even shows the ball on a mini little pump fake. Free safety races over to cover that, vacates the middle of the field. Newton comes back, flashes the eyes to the middle of the field, Throws Edelman open on the seam on the post seam route. Huge play. Again, 33 sets up first and goal. Those are three plays that stood out to me from Sunday night. If you were worried about the Patriots passing game, it's coming along. Like I said, Sunday night. Now let's talk some Kyle Duggar. And I know we focused on him last week. That was more a function of, hey, we're excited about the rookie safety. He saw some playing time, 11 snaps. Sunday night against Seattle, 37 snaps. So you've seen a bit of a jump in playing time. Now, we all know that Steve Belichick, Bill Belichick, they're very much a matchup-based franchise and organization. So this might have been a function of this is the person that we want to use against Seattle. But that is a big jump in playing time. And we also got to see, in terms of his plays, a bunch of them. 20 of those 37, he was either down in the box or in one of the slot areas of the field. That's my rough charting of it. He was used as a deep safety on a handful of occasions as well. From when I looked at it, charting the plays for him, 
15 of his snaps where he's either some sort of split field or middle of the field safety look, including, believe it or not, eight of them where he was kind of a split field safety. I mean, excuse me, a split field safety, a middle of the field safety, which is typically what you don't expect to see from a rookie in a Bill Belichick defense. But his snaps were impressive. And I want to talk about a couple of those plays right now working against the Seattle Seahawks. First of those is a first and 10 play at the 1353 mark of the second quarter. Duggar is down sort of in the slot. And the Patriots run zones. They run basically cover three here. And he's sort of the outside curl flat defender. New England did play a fair amount of zone coverage like we talked about on Sunday night. Partially to you know take away Russell Wilson in here. Seattle tries to get the ball downfield. They flood Duggar's side of the formation. And I love his discipline here. And this is where his athleticism shows up. Because they flood his side of the field. You've got a vertical route, a sail or a deep out route, and then a running back in the flat. And they really want him to take the cheese here. Because that curl, that flat route, that swing route from Carlos Hyde out of the backfield... They want him to bite on that so they can throw Greg Olson on the out route over Duggar's head. But what's impressive about it is Duggar doesn't bite. Duggar doesn't bite on it. He stays in his zone. He doesn't bite on the route behind the line of scrimmage and open up the route that's deeper over his head. He stays in his zone, drops under that out, recognizes it. So Wilson has to check this down. And then Duggar explodes downhill on it and makes the tackle, stops him short of the first down. Now, you might be saying, look, this is a completion of nine. Wouldn't you like to see him take it away? If he tries to take that away, if he bites on this, you're looking at a throw over his head for a much bigger gain. You know, when you talk about zone coverages and curl flat defenders, Steve Spagnuolo had a great sort of film presentation for NFL Network and NFL Game Pass talking about the no cover area where if you're a curl flat defender, anything in that line of scrimmage to five yards downfield, you don't want to bite on that because that's the Joe Bloggs choice of the multiple choice question you're facing. They want you to take the cheese there and throw something over your head. Here, Duggar shows veteran awareness, doesn't bite, maintains his depth under the deeper route, but then shows you that athleticism to explode downhill and stop this play. Now, we've also talked a lot about how the Patriots like to use sub-packages, 3-3-5, but you've seen Patrick Chun in, in years past have the ability and the versatility to basically be a linebacker. So you can use your 3-3-5 package and yet play it as a 3-4-4 base because you have that safety with the positional versatility and flexibility to drop down into the box. Kyle Duggar can do that too. Second and one, two, second quarter, 13-18 mark. Patriots are in that 3-3-5. Kyle Duggar is basically aligned as a linebacker here as part of a 3-4 front. Seattle runs the ball here. They run high to the left side on a zone run scheme. Lawrence Guy does a great job of sort of maintaining his lane, maintaining his gap. He controls the left guard here. The center gets a quick double on Guy and then tries to get to the second level to take on Kyle Duggar. 
Duggar fights through the upfield shoulder, does a great job of doing that. And when Hyde tries to bounce this around a bit, it's Duggar, along with John Simon, who get in there to make the tackle and hold this to a one-yard gain. If you have a safety that can align as a linebacker and help you stop the run, and yet, as we talked about in the previous play, that if they go past, he can play discipline zone coverage, you're going to be effective as a defense. So that was a tremendous play from Kyle Duggar. Just one more play I want to talk about. The Winovich sack, third and three, 10-50 mark of the second quarter. We all remember Winovich comes in, just destroys the running back and gets in on Russell Wilson. Well, he wasn't alone because Kyle Duggar blitzes on this play from a linebacker's alignment, runs and forklifts himself right through the right guard, showing incredible power, drives the right guard back into the lap of Russell Wilson, and then he helps get in on the sack of the quarterback. These are the reasons you got this guy. You know, we spent last week talking about Jamal Adams and how he can be a disruptive force. Kyle Duggar is in that mold. So through two games, we've talked about him after each game. There's a reason why. Up next, we look ahead. The Las Vegas Raiders, they're 2-0. John Gruden's offense is fun to watch. Here's what I'll be watching for when the Raiders have the ball this coming Sunday. That's next, here in episode 136 of The Sco Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 136 of the SCO Show. And let's talk Raiders right now. And you've probably seen, by the time this aired, rather almost endearing clip of John Gruden in the Raiders locker room after the game. They're slapping their knees. They're slapping their heads. It's like something out of Little Giants. But you get a little fired up. It's good to see the Raiders are 2-0. And I think a lot of people expected them to at least start the year 1-0 going up against the Carolina Panthers. And they're in a bit of a rebuild. But that was a quietly impressive win, I think, on Monday night against the New Orleans Saints. Now, maybe that has to do more with the Saints and what their offense is like right now. But this was an impressive win. And I think what stood out to me watching this game live and then re-watching what I could of it, you know, the All-22 and all those issues, Gruden's offense is fun. And Gruden's offense is going to stress this Patriots secondary. And I think the Patriots have the talent in the secondary and the wherewithal and the awareness in the secondary to handle the route comp combinations they're going to see. But this isn't your father's John Gruden offense. We all sort of ascribe the West Coast offense to John Gruden. And we look at it as, you know, a very conservative West Coast ball control, running back involved passing game. And part of that might be his quarterback, Derek Carr, who gets a lot of stick on the timeline and elsewhere for being ultra-conservative, but he's quietly a very efficient and effective passer. You know, last year, Carr finished the season with a 70.4% completion percentage, which was second in the league, behind only Drew Brees. 
Carr threw 21 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, 4,054 yards. Those 4,054 yards, 8th in the league. But also, quarterback rating, 100.8, 9th in the league. A QBR of 65.6, which was 10th in the league. And an adjusted net yards per attempt of 7.25, which was ninth in the league, just behind Russell Wilson and ahead of Jimmy Garoppolo, Aaron Rodgers, and Deshaun Watson, who were 10, 11, and 12. But a lot of the frustration comes with respect to intended air yards or average depth of target, however you want to look at it. Last year, Carr had an intended air yards of 6.2. How'd that rank in the NFL? Excuse me. His intended air yards from... 2019 was 6.3. How'd that rank in the NFL among starting quarterbacks or quarterbacks that got qualified number of passing attempts? Second to last. Only Teddy Bridgewater was lower with 6.2. Now through two games, Carr's intended air yards so far is 6.2. So largely in line with where he was last year. But here's the thing. Patrick Mahomes is 6.1. Sam Darnold six. Point zero. Drew Brees, 5.0. So there's at least that. But also, in week one, Carr's intended air yards, 5.5. In week two, on Monday night, 6.9. So they're getting a bit more vertical in the passing game. And I want to talk about two plays here, sort of highlight some of the creativity we saw from John Gruden on Monday night. Now, this first one comes on a second and six at the 307 mark of the first quarter. Raiders are in 11 personnel. Carr is under center. It's a condensed formation with tight slots to each side of the field. Single back in the backfield. Now, I will tell you, before I dive into this deeper, anytime I see this formation now, that condensed two-by-two with a quarterback under center, two words pop into my head. Yankee concept. Like, this is when we typically see it. Because you get those condensed formations, you run play action, you can sell people on the run, Defensive backs are thinking routes break into the outside, so they aren't really, really worried about routes break into the middle of the field. You get the over, the deep post. I've seen it hundreds of times, more than I care to admit, to be honest. So you see this, you think Yankee concept, play action. And you get play action, with what starts to be the Yankee concept, right? The receiver on the right starts looking like he's going to run the post. Brian Edwards from the left, it looks like he's going to run the over. It's a cover three look. You might see people cut it and rob it and all that stuff. But what happens is the deeper receiver who looks like he's running that deep post, he then breaks it out. So it's a really deep corner route. So that occupies the cornerback in this cover three look. And the tight end to that side of the formation, he releases to the flat, which occupies the curl flat different. What we were just talking about. With Kyle Duggar. So that over route from Brian Edwards, it settles into that nice big area with a cornerback deep, the curl flat defender over the flat route and the tight end. Easy throw, easy catch. And a pretty deep throw from Derek Carr. Another route that I like to work for a touchdown uh, to Zay Jones. It was a 15-yard touchdown, but it was a bit more vertical because the throw goes into the end zone. New Orleans shows single high. This comes third and nine at the 149 mark of the second quarter. Cars in an empty gun set. 
Saints show them single high, but they rotate it to a cover two, red two look. And they run sort of a, a smash cut with two receivers on the left. One goes to the corner. The other runs a quick in. That's how some teams run smash. And the corner squats on the smash route, on the quick end cut. Zay Jones on the corner is open with the safety working from the middle of the field to the outside. It's a simple pitch and catch. Simple pitch and catch. Now, maybe that gets to why you don't always want to run cover two in the red zone, but it's an easy throw. One more I'll talk about. This comes at a first and 10, third quarter, 12-47 mark. This is a nice little switch vertical concept. I did a video breakdown that you'll be seeing on the timeline of the, the play I'm talking about here in the first one as well. The first one being, you know, that little fake Yankee concept. But here on this play, it's a switch verticals to each side of the field. You have a slot look to the left. Those receivers cross on the vertical. And you get this little tight alignment to the right with the tight end in the wing. Receiver just outside of them. They also run the switch vertical. New Orleans, they look to be in a match and cover three here with some zone defenders underneath, and they're playing man-match on the outside. You get Malcolm Jenkins on the tight end, Fabian Moreau. It's another simple pitch and catch. Carr with a nicely placed vertical throw. Nice gain, big gain for the Raiders on that one too. So we know the sort of West Coast idea of where they want to be, but they're getting a bit more aggressive in the passing game. So the Patriots have to be ready for that. Something they also need to be ready for is Darren Waller. Waller is that sort of quintessential mismatch type of tight end. You know, the kind of guy that Patriots hope they have. Maybe. And Devin Asiasi. Well, we haven't seen it yet. And so the question becomes, how are you going to defend him? Because you've got Henry Ruggs. You've got Hunter Renfro. You've got Brian Edwards. You've got Zay Jones. You've got some receivers to worry about. Do you want to take your best coverage defender, Stephon Gilmore? And yes, he is their best coverage defender. Still, everybody calm down. And put him on Darren Waller, particularly when, as Evan Lazar pointed out in a little quick Twitter thread on Tuesday afternoon, 64% of the time, this is according to a tweet from Evan Lazar. Waller is in line. That's going to put Gilmore in the middle of the field. And I'm looking at my own chart and numbers right now. He had, according to Pro Football Reference, 73 snaps against the Saints. Of those, 22 is some kind of tight alignment to the left. 35 with some kind of tight alignment to the right. I'm just doing my rough math here. That's 57 of his 73 snaps with some kind of tight alignment. 78% of the time against New Orleans. Do you want to take Stephon Gilmore and put him in there inside the box, tight alignments, forcing him to do stuff in the run game 78% of the time? Probably not. We might see a game plan similar to last year against the Eagles when on third and six plus, you get Gilmore on Darren Waller. You might see something like that. You might see a situation where if he flexes to the outside, then yeah, we'll play Stephon Gilmore on him out there. But we're not wasting him, Stephon Gilmore that is, to the middle of the field, inside, down in the box, if they're going to run outside zone at him, you know, 15 times a game. So this might mean Juwan Williams, tight end eraser, or Kyle Duggar, tight end eraser. And so I did want to touch on that briefly. But folks, that will do it for today. I will be back Sometimes Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, breaking down this game. Hopefully it's another glorious victory edition 
of the SCO Show. Until then, friends, stay safe. Check in on your neighbors. Check in on your loved ones. Wash those hands. Oh, and I did want to mention this. Tuesday, as I'm recording this show, National Voter Registration Day. We do have an election coming up. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. I'm not going to tell you why to vote for somebody. But I'd like you to vote. I've said this before during elections and elsewhere. Go and vote. It's your civic duty. Help make your nation, your locality, your state, your town, your city, help make it all better. So go out there. Make sure you're registered to vote. Go to vote.gov. Make sure you're registered. Check that voter registration. Sign up if you haven't already. It's National Voter Registration Day on Tuesday, so make sure you get that done so you can vote in November. Now, until then, friends, until we talk again, not until November, but until Sunday, stay safe. Wash those hands. And when you do, sin along and bless those Patriots reigns down in Foxborough.